Hey guys, this is Anna. So before we get today, get on with the show today, let's hear from our sponsor. Hey guys, this is Anna. So originally, I actually was not planning to do a episode of this Thursday. Um, my mental health has just been completely in the dumps. Um, it's just been non-existent since last um, Friday, at least. Um, yeah, it, it's been pretty awful. And I had just been feeling like really down all day. And today when I'm actually recording, this is actually Tuesday, the 23rd. Telling you, I have just felt just beyond awful. And so, yeah, I wasn't planning to do one, but I just went out. And um, so there's a Mexican restaurant just down the road from me, um, just down the road. I have never been there before. Um, it's called Takira Flores or something like that. I, I, it, when I say something like that, like I know it's named. I just don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but I think it's pronounced Takira Flores. Takira Flores. Um, and so, you know, I decided to give it a try. Um, I like Mexican food and I've not been to too many Mexican restaurants in the area. I've, I've basically been to this one chain, which is called Saboya's. And they also have a restaurant in that chain called Don Chava's. That's where I've pretty, pretty much the only place in the city that I've been to, really, is several of our locations. And they are fantastic. Um, if you're ever in Fort Wayne, you got to go there. But um, So, yeah, I went to Tequila Flores. Um, yeah, give it a try. It's pretty darn cheap. I mean, I got two tacos. Um, two steak meat tacos with refried beans and, um, uh, rice for just about eight bucks. So yeah, that was, um, pretty darn cheap and the food was okay. Um, it wasn't great, you know, but I mean, it was only like what, eight bucks. So, you know, I'm not going to complain too much, you know, could have been a slightly better for that price, but you know, it's fine enough. Um, the only thing I will complain about is the fact that I didn't give that you didn't get chips and salsa for free. So, you know. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that, 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 that raised my moods. It, it definitely raised my moods quite a bit. Um, and let's see. So, yeah, I, I feel like I can maybe pump out with a bit of an episode. Don't know how long it's going to be. It's probably going to be kind of short. Um. Because it's not like I have that much energy. Like, I, I have just enough energy to actually record this episode. Not enough to do a long one. So, yeah, I am actually just straight up um, <clears throat> kind of making this episode up as I go along. I'm not going to lie. I had a few topics I wanted to kind of go over. But I just straight up don't have the energy to really go into those. But there's a few things that I feel like I could probably talk about a bit. So one of the things, so there are probably two things. Um, number one, kind of going back to my mental health. So this past uh, about week or so, you know, just, just feeling a lot of despair, you know, and it's been a long time. It's been a pretty long time since I was really this suicidal, especially for more than just like a short time period during a day. Um, and even longer since I felt true, genuine despair while um, being depressed and suicidal. 
it's not been fun. And it's really made me think a lot. Especially on the nature of despair and depression. So one of the things that I kind of noticed is just where your mind goes to. Like, it goes usually, especially the things that you just know are not true. Like, you'll see sitting there and you'll be thinking, this isn't true. Like, I know that this is blatantly false. And yet your emotions, you know, your despair, these suicidal thoughts are just like telling you, no, 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 it's totally true. But your mind is say, screaming out like, what are you thinking? This, You know it's not true. Like, for instance, you know, um, I struggle a lot with just feeling like fat, um, I am a completely worthless loser who doesn't serve any purpose to anyone or anything. You know, if I failed God, I failed everyone and that I should be dead, you know, that, that like that's really the big one is I, I should be dead, you know. So a little bit of backstory for me. When I was born, I was born of a condition where that, um, where, uh, my windpipe was not connected to anything, and my esophagus was connected to my left lung. Um, so when I was born, October 1st of 1998, no one knew about this stuff. Like, like doctors had no idea this was a thing. Now, today, doctors know about this, and, you know, they know how to handle it and all that stuff. But back when I was born, like, nobody knew that this could happen. Like, this was, like what on earth and they they operated on me and like um they expected me to not live very long like so okay so so another thing I should bring up is that there was a doctor who was visiting so like I was born in this hospital in Toledo Ohio and there's a hospital there called St. Luke's it's basically just a birthing hospital, you know, you know, there's hospitals that are kind of small and they really only exist for women to give birth in it, that, that's St. Luke's. Um, and so, you know, I was birthed there, but then they kind of quickly realized something was wrong with me, you know, um, especially when, you know, I didn't cry or anything. And so I was immediately sent to, to Toledo Children's Hospital so the Toledo Hospital is kind of like the big one, you know, that, that's like the big hospital in the area. And the Children's Hospital, Toledo Children's Hospital is like the big hospital for like kids undergoing serious stuff. And that day, there was a doctor from Columbus who was visiting. And she had actually seen this before. She actually had, you know, she just happened to hear from the doctors what was going on and she, she had seen this before from a child that she had birthed. And so she actually, like, did the surgery on me and everything. But she also told my dad that I was not going to, that I would be very lucky to live, to be six months old. Well, you know, um, 22 right now, um, almost 22 and a half. Just what, like, two weeks short of 20, uh, 22 and a half, like... You know, just me a little bit older than six months. But, you know, like, I was supposed to die. You know, um, I've, and even going on further than that, you know, like, there's just been so many times when I should have died. Um, I have nearly drowned three times. 
I am not joking. I have nearly drowned three times. I haven't even gone swimming. Like, this is going to be the seventh summer. But I have not swam. Seventh year, period. But I have not swam. Because, like, I nearly drowned three times twice in one week. Like, just like a day apart from each other. Like, it was crazy. You know? And, you know, just a lot of other things. You know, being suicidal for over six years, about six years or a little more. It's hard to, for me to really remember. Um, because of dysphoria and all that stuff, you know. So, like, I have been cheating death, like, my entire life. I, like, for all intents and purposes, I should be dead. And, like, when whenever I start feeling despair or, like, suicidal or just even really depressed, you know. Like, not even suicidal, just, like, really depressed. Like, I start thinking, like, I should be dead. Like, why am I alive? Like, what purpose do I serve, you know, like kind of worthless, you know, I don't, there's nothing I can, I am worth, you know, I should be dead, like, why God do you still have me alive, why aren't you just merciful and kill me, you know, like, do you hate me, those are the thoughts that I actually think, you know, I know that those are horrid thoughts to think, especially, you know, to God, of all, you know, life is a gift, you know, he could straight up just take my life at any moment. Like, literally, as I'm recording this, he could just straight, you know, he could just, like, take away all the oxygen from my lungs if he wanted. And here I am saying, God, just kill me already. Like, why do you hate me? Like, God, if you love me, you'll just kill me. Like, that's the stuff I say to him. Yeah, that, that. I had the feeling that I am going to have a whole lot to answer for on the day of judgment. I had the feeling that God that that God is really not going to take the most kind. Um, I am just going to be sitting there shrinking away when God brings these comments up. Um, but yeah, and like. I know so much of it's not true. You know, I know I'm not worthless. I know that I do bring joy to others. You know, I know that life is a gift. That God has me alive for some reason. Like, once again, like, for all intents and purposes, with all the stuff I've been through, you know, all my near-death experiences, like, I really should be dead. The fact that I have not says something. And that is that God doesn't want me dead. God has a purpose for it. He has a purpose for me being alive right now, despite all these near-death experiences. And yet here I am, pretty much cursing God, if we're being honest, for having me alive. And I'm sitting here telling him what to do with my life. And that my life is not worth anything if God can't use me. Well, if God couldn't use me, then... Why is he keeping me alive? Why does he allow me to have his platform? Why does he allow me to have anything good? And yet, whenever I get really depressed, I I allow myself to believe that no one loves me. I don't do any good for anyone. You know, completely worthless. I'm a complete total loser who should be dead. 
And yet the entire time I know that's false. And yet I still think those things anyway. I still allow myself to run away with those thoughts. What a foolish person I am. What a foolish person that I am. Anyway, yeah, I think that's probably all the thoughts I really have on that right now. So, yeah, let's um get moving on. So, the other thing that I definitely wanted to kind of um get to, I guess, would be something that Dad and I have been talking about lately. And that is the religious right and the religious left. Especially when it especially the religious right that is evangelicals and like dominionists and all that stuff, you know. So if you don't know what a dominionist is, because I just brought that up and I just realized that like probably most people listening have no idea who dominionists are. It's kind of hard to explain. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not the most well versed on them. So really just like the Note version is that um, they basically believe that there are like these seven things called like dominions. I guess there's like one group that believes there's like ten dominions, but like it seems like the majority believe in seven dominions. And those are like family, media, uh, I think academia, government, you know, and a few other things I can't remember. And they believe that Christians need to rule over all of those, you know, they need to be in control of all the families, you know, they need to, Christians need to control all of government, Christians need to control all academia, and Christians need to control of all media, you know, stuff like that, and of course, you know, they want it to, you know, be the far-right Christian evangelicalism, you know, um, to be controlling all this stuff, you know. And we've been talking a lot about, you know, these far-right groups, like, including the evangelicals. And something that really struck me, kind of while we were talking about this, you know, and what they believe, you know, like, what they have wrong. And I want to make it clear, my dad is a on the right, you know, he is firmly on the right, um, very libertarian, um... For the most part. Uh, but, you know, he's pretty libertarian. And he, so he's religious right, pretty firmly a religious right. And, you know, but and we were talking about it. And one of the things that we kind of, at least I kind of really came to realize, was what evangelicals really rely on. And that it is that they believe, they see Jesus the way that a lot of the Israelites saw Jesus, you know, back in the day. So what was it that, you know, like, so like, before Jesus, when they prophesied of the coming Messiah, um, what was it that the Jews thought was going to come? Well, they thought it was going to be a, like a great military leader, you know, who is going to like, you know, make Israel like this great like military superpower and like deliver them from you know, all of her, like, oppressors. And then Jesus comes, and he's not that. Well, I came to realize that these evangelicals, whatever, you know, evangelicals, Christian nationalists, you know, 
um, Dominionists, you know, basically anyone who's like far right, but especially, you know, it falls under the evangelical label, which a lot of the Dominionists and nationalists kind of do. Um, they see Jesus that same way. They see Jesus as a conqueror. They see some Jesus as someone to you to use to bludgeon others into submission. They see Jesus as sort of like super weapon, you know. And it's pretty horrendous. I mean, I really have no other way to put it. You know, they really do view Jesus the way that the Jews thought Jesus was going to be. You know, Jesus is her tool to conquer, you know, the left or, you know, the LGBT people, immigrants, people of color, you know, basically anyone that they don't like. Jesus is her weapon to bludgeon into submission so they can have control so that, you know, they can be the ones in power. They don't see Jesus as a liberator. You know, they don't see Jesus I mean, yeah, they just straight up, they, they see Jesus as a conqueror. They see him as an oppressor. They literally see Jesus as the one who's going to come and oppress the left and LGBT people and people of color, whatever, you know, force them to be a certain way, you know, get rid of them. When it's just not Jesus. Like, you read the Bible Jesus, like, God himself, like, what does he talk about? He talks about liberation, you know, I actually made a video just a few weeks ago on my YouTube channel, which, if I remember, I will put a link to in the description below, um, you know, made a video about how Jesus, the message, the point of the gospel is liberation, like, everything is about liberation, you know, and Jesus isn't interested in forcing anyone to be one way. That's why we have free will. Like, we can choose whether we want to go to heaven or not. Like, straight up. Like, you know, God, you know, God isn't interested in forcing everyone to be white. God isn't forcing everyone into being native to a certain land. God isn't interested in forcing everyone to be a straight and cisgender. God isn't interested in forcing everyone to believe one thing. You know, God isn't interested in saying, well, you must believe, you know, these, this exact, like, have every single little exact belief right, you know. He's not interested in that. He He's not interested in bludgeoning us into just being one thing or the other, believing a certain thing, being a certain thing, whatever. He's interested in us wanting to do that thing. Like, he's interested in having our own free will, free choice to do, you know. But he's also interested in diversity, like... He believes that he, like, I strongly believe that Jesus sees diversity as a beautiful thing. Like, if he didn't, you know, just saying, um, there wouldn't be all these different, um, colors of skin. Okay, I'm just saying, uh, there wouldn't be 
um, yellow, black, brown, white, whatever. If God didn't care about diversity at all. You know, I don't think that Jesus would even allow homosexuality, uh, you know, to be a thing. Like, homosexuals would just straight up not exist. Trans people would not exist if God hated diversity. Asexual people would not exist. You know? He wouldn't allow different political views to exist. God cares about diversity. God cares about free choice. Everything that evangelical Christianity or, you know, or any form of far-right Christianity is against. And it, it, it's just sad to see. It is genuinely something that is sad to see. Anyway, um, I think I really got everything from that I wanted to get out of the way. And so, yeah, you know, um, I have been making an effort to end every episode with a good news story. And so, yeah, we're going to end out on a good news story here. So, this is from LGBTQ Nation. Trans woman makes history by winning cisgender Nevada beauty pageant. All right, I am going to probably butcher this name, but I'm going to try anyway. Cataluna Enriquez Enriquez has made history by becoming the first out transgender woman ever to win the Miss Silver State USA beauty pageant, the state's largest preliminary competition. Because she won, she will go on to compete in the Miss Nevada USA pageant. If she wins that, she'll compete for Miss USA. And if she wins that, she'll go on to compete for Miss Universe. The 27-year-old champion previously competed in a 2016 transgender pageant, but she began competing in cisgender pageants last year. She is now using her platform partly to discuss the challenges she has faced as a trans person and pageant competitor. With pageantry, people think it is only about beauty, Enriquez told the Las Vegas Review-Journal. But it's how you present yourself, what you advocate for, what you've done, and the goals you have. She told the publication that she experienced bullying from classmates in her school as a young student. Her school wouldn't allow her to use either the boys' or girls' bathroom. Oh, that's nice. Um, wouldn't even let her use the boys' bathroom. Wow. Um... Not gonna, not gonna lie. That that, that that's a form of transphobia I've never heard before. Um, not allowing to use the boys or girl bathroom. Um, I ever won. Wow. Anyway, um, she also said that a former pageant once required her to undergo a medical examination to submit a doctor's letter certifying that she was in fact female, an invasive requirement not asked of any other competitors. That competition's organizers also didn't give her a roommate during the pageant, something given to every other woman who competed. During the interview portion of the Miss Silver State USA beauty pageant, the host asked her to describe a challenge she had faced. Growing up, I was often told that I was not allowed to be myself or to be in spaces um, that I was not welcome, she replied. One of the obstacles I encounter every day is just being true to myself. Today, I am a proud transgender woman of color. Personally, I've learned that my differences do not make me less than. It makes me more than. 
and my differences are what makes me unique. And I know that, that my uniqueness will take me to all my destinations and whatever I need to get go through in life. She will compete for the title of Miss Nevada in June. Although some judges and competitions may be biased against her trans identity, she said she's determined to use her platform to challenge prejudice and raise awareness about mental health access. So yeah, that's always a good thing. Having more trans representation, especially in places where it's a lot harder to get into. You know, so yeah, you know, that's always a good thing. Good trans representation out there for people to see. Anyway, that's um, everything I got for this episode, you know. Um, if you enjoy my content, um, so support my content on Patreon, Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal. You can see the links in the description. Email me any questions or comments. The email is in the link description below. Um, also send me a voice message to get played on air. Um, link to that is in the description below. Um, if you're watching, listening on YouTube, shall I say, um, like, subscribe, comment, share. And yeah, have a wonderful day, everyone. Peace.